on this episode of Why Watch That. If you're someone going, hey, I got food on the stove and whatever else, or I'm in the movie theater, I got kids at home, you've got to earn my time, I don't know that this would do it. What kind of doctor is he? It might surprise you. It certainly surprises both of them. He's like, why are you here? She's like, why am I here? Is it a good kind of interesting or an interesting kind of an interesting? Hmm. Or both? No. Or neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're lovely people in real life, but these are the people that I would cross the street if I saw them coming toward me just because they're that good of an actor. He's not your typical 911 responder. If you call 911, you don't want him, okay? He might say, uh, call back later. If you're giving him nonsense, he might yell at people, including his colleagues. What is wrong with this dude? Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch That. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. (laughs) What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. $5. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water (laughs) and eat raw potatoes. But I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? uh, Yeah, all right. (laughs) right. (laughs) Well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. The Why Watch That Talk. Well, it's that time of year. TIFF is back. The Toronto International Film Festival is here. Now, if you remember last year, it was a bit of a doozy because obviously we were in the thick of a pandemic, which we still are. Hmm. However, people didn't attend in person as in this year. And if you remember why watch that went to 2019's TIFF and I was able to thoroughly enjoy that. Toronto is one of my favorite cities anyway. Um, and it was such a great experience. I'm so happy that we can attend virtually this year. So we've got some films to talk about and we've got some amazing, wonderful, uh, viewpoints about some of these films. Uh, now again, when we review these listeners, just keep in mind that this is coming straight out of the festival. It may not be available to you yet. But it will certainly be available because we know Tiff has amazing taste most of the time. So here we go, uh, starting with Petite Maman. And this is a film. You can already sense already this must be 
French, français. Yeah. And it is directed by Céline. Now I'm going to say it in Italian. Sgiama. Oh. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's some French wonderful way to say it. <laughs> uh, she not only directed this, but she also wrote it. Mm. Yeah. Now we know from the past, the French are really coming out with some very, very interesting. They have forever, but I'd say in the last five years, they've really broken through to get the full respect of Hollywood. Um, and they certainly come up with some interesting ideas. Now you may or may not know this cast. I mean, if you watch French films or TV, then perhaps you know the, the cast, but maybe not. You have Josephine Sans, Gabrielle Sans, Nina Maurice, uh, Stéphanie uh, Varupin, and Margot Abasco um, is starring in this. Now, I am super curious as to why you chose to talk about this. Because, you know, some of us don't like reading subtitles or subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and well, Petite Maman has gotten really strong reviews. And Celine director, directed Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I saw at New York Film Festival years ago. So boy, oh boy, what is Petite Maman like? Now, what happens is there is a, a young girl, uh, Nellie, and uh, her grandmother has died. Her mom takes her to her mother's childhood home. Uh, the father's there, all of that. While she's there, she's out playing. She meets another little girl. This other little girl looks just like her. What is going on? And over the course of the movie, this other little girl reveals certain secrets about her existence. How does this connect to Nellie? How does it connect to the grandmother and the mother and the whole family? So really this connection between these two little girls, Celine is using as a way to explore this family's, uh, the, the women of this family, their connection, and also the connection through time. So there's some twists and turns here in the story where you go, oh, what is really going on? When am I? What are they referencing? Is this real? That kind of thing. Now, what I would say about it is, in contrast to a portrait of a, a lady on fire, if you're going to be slow, okay? If you're going to be slow, you got to earn it. There has, has to be some sort of urgency or something going on. Now, you know, a lot of critics are going, oh, you know, there are these beautiful moments, these naturalistic moments, and, you know, you just need, you sit with them, all of that. Okay, if you're that kind of person that likes that, this is perfect for you. If you're someone going, hey, I got food on the stove and whatever else, or I'm in a the movie theater, I got kids at home, you've got to earn my time. I don't know that this would do it. So if you like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, just know it doesn't have that fire that you might expect after seeing that. Well, let's move on to Mothering Sunday, which is uh, coming to us from the UK. Interesting. You don't have to read subtitles unless you don't know English. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. This is directed by Avis Hudson and um, Alice Birch wrote it. Now, this stars Odessa Young, Joshua Connor, Olivia Coleman, Colin Firth, I mean, Emma Darcy. There's a, a bunch of British folks that <laughs> we, um, well, I should say from the UK. We, we definitely have seen these people before, either on film or, you know, 
on some sort of television show. Very thick cast. The question really does become, is this something that we're going to rush to see when it's finally released? Yes. And uh, the setting is it's uh, not too long after World War One. Of course, as the ref is saying, we're in England. And what happens is this. We have Odessa Young. She's playing Jane. Jane is a maid for Olivia Colin and Colin Firth. So the Nivens. And while she's there, she meets someone else played by Josh O'Connor. Yes. Now, he plays Paul, who's a neighbor of the Nivens. And, you know, of course, this is going to be a class struggle kind of thing. So Paul has money and Jane does not, but they fall in love. So the question is, over the course of time, what happens in this relationship? Is this something that's going to be allowed to go on and so on and so forth? Will people find out when they do? What are going to be the repercussions? Is this even something, this kind of relationship that could stand the test of time? Now, with all of that said, this is what I have to say again. Just like I said with Petite Maman, you've got to earn our time. The thing about Mothering Sunday is it's this romance that's happening. That's fine. But if we're going to have these lingering shots on people's bodies and body fluids, by the way, why? You got to earn it. Now, this is a great cast, as the ref described. But are they earning your time here at Mothering Sunday? I don't know. I don't know if they are. So just be careful if you see this coming to you sometime soon in a theater. Just know that the way it might be marketed might not be the way you receive it when you see the movie. Okay. Well, there's that. Let's move on to the Starling, which is on going to be on Netflix on September 24th. Now, this is... Remember, when it's on Netflix, it's there forever, and you can figure out if they're going to release it straight away or if they're going to do a limited thing, try to go for some awards. But we've got this amazing cast. But first, let's go to Theodore Melfi, who is the director, and Matt Harris is the script hall. <laughs> um, so we have Melissa McCarthy, Chris O'Dowd. You know, look at this. David Diggs is showing up. Loretta Devine and <laughs> Kevin Klein. Where the heck has he been? Hmm. So this is, you know, and, and among others, this is something that everyone will be able to have access to. You do not have to go to the theater to see this necessarily. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm a huge fan of Melissa McCarthy and Chris O'Dowd and Kevin Klein. How could we go wrong? Yeah. I mean, wonderful cast. And uh, what's happening is this. So Melissa McCarthy and Chris O'Dowd, they're a married couple. They've just had a baby. You know, in one of the opening scenes, they're painting the wall in the baby's room. And, you know, they're having a good time that way. Then you cut forward a year. Unfortunately, the baby um, has died. And Chris's character, he is seeking or, or getting treatment. He's in a facility. And his character's name is Jack. Uh, Melissa's character, Lily, is not. She visits him regularly. She's living on her own. But how is she coping? She's working in a grocery store. You know, she always has a smile on her face. But she's focused on him. Who's focused on her is the question. So as we move through, we start to see there are certain people, starting with one of Jack's counselors who tells her, hey, you need some help. 
And here's a guy you can go to played by Kevin Klein. Now, when she meets Kevin Klein's character, this doctor, what kind of doctor is he? It might surprise you. It certainly surprises both of them. He's like, why are you here? She's like, why am I here? And then you start to figure out why that's happened, why they've been connected. Now, the title, The Starling, where does this come in? It's a bird. Well, there's a moment early on when Melissa is uh, taking care of their land, you know, the grass and all of that, trying to mow and keep up the property. And there's a starling who might not want her to finish. So the battle is on. And the question is, as the movie progresses, what is that relationship between Melissa and the Starling going to turn into? And how does that connect to everything else? How does that connect to the grieving process? Is that going to happen? And so on. Now, this is not the kind of movie that'll surprise anybody. Let's keep that in mind. Uh, What I would have to say, though, is watching it, when it comes to Melissa McCarthy, we have to be careful because she's so great at comedy. Now, Melissa can also do drama, but you have to do it you, first of all, you have to write it clearly enough, and then it has to be executed clearly enough where we know where we're going. If you think of Can You Ever Forgive Me, which Melissa was nominated for, that we understood it was a drama with her, and you can have comedic moments, but it, well, it was always clear. I don't know that it was so clear here watching The Starling okay, is this comedy? Is it drama? Is it somewhere in between? It's just not the clearest depiction of that. And what I was thinking of was this uh, Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts movie that didn't work, Larry Crown. It's this kind of sunshine thing on a topic that's deep, that doesn't quite land. But as the ref said, it will be on Netflix. So if you like Melissa, the rest of the cast, you certainly should check it out. Just be cautious with your expectations. Well, let's move on to the electrical life of Lewis Wayne. Now, this is going to, this is an Amazon uh, property. So eventually we're going to see it on that platform when, I don't know. Uh, United Kingdom is the home. Ooh, all right. So then what kind of actors are we going to have? Well, let's first deal with the director and the screen writers. We have Will Sharp. Ooh. Will Sharp, put your, what did she say? Put your tools back in the bag, Mrs. Sharp. Um, (laughs) That was from Downton Abbey. Will Sharp not only directed it, but he wrote it as well, but he wrote it with uh, Simon uh, Stevenson. Now this stars Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh Uh-oh. And Claire Foy. What? Yes. Uh, Andrea Risenborough and Toby Jones. Okay, whoa. Like we said, this is the this is coming to us from across the pond. And we always know that whenever you get that combo together, that particular combo, something interesting must be going on. Now, the question is, is it a good kind of interesting or an interesting kind of an interesting? Hmm. Or both? Now or neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, just so you know, for some of these release dates for the electrical life. Um, It will be a limited release October 22nd on Prime November 5th. So, okay, we're gearing up for that. Now, this is based on a real person, Louis Wayne, who is an artist, and we're in Victorian London. And, of course, he's played by Benedict. So we meet him and this man at the very beginning. He's late in life. He's had this career, and he's popularized cats. Like the domesticated cats your pets how did this happen 
Okay. So we shuttle backward and when he was a young man and we learned that, okay, his father died. He's the only male in the family. He has to take care of all of his sisters and his mother. Now, can he do that? He is eccentric and he is an artist. All right. Now, Toby Jones plays his employer at like some sort of newspaper or something like that. And so he's like, you know, can you draw some things for me? I'll pay you. But, uh, you know, you'll get poverty wage. That's as much as I can do for you. So what happens is we see before that scene that he, the man can draw and he only wants to draw animals. So he meets a man on the train and the man has a cat. He draws the cat and he does it so quickly. He shows Toby Jones. He goes, look, this is not hard work for me. I just like to do it here. He just pulls it out and starts drawing. Okay. But in addition to that, what about this electrical life? What does that mean? Well, he's someone who senses electricity. Now, this is Victorian London, keep in mind. So this is a time when all of this almost had a mystery to it. So he senses it, he feels it, he sees it. And this also is something that influences his art. Now, what happens is because he has young sisters, they need someone to come in and teach them a governess. Who's that? Claire Foy. Now she comes in and Louis is like, okay, I can teach them. I know all of this stuff. She's like, okay, I can leave. He's like, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't. She stays and what happens is they grow to love each other. Now, keep in mind, he got a bunch of sisters and a mother to take care of. He is an aristocrat and he needs to marry another one, not a governess. He needs to shore up the finances. He doesn't. How is this received? And as we go through, tragedies happen and tragedies have happened that you discover. And how does that influence Louis, his family and everything else? Now, what I have to say about this movie is sometimes they talk really fast, but you got Benedict and Claire mostly doing that. Fine. And of course, this is a period piece. And of course, you have eccentric people. You have the four, three aspect ratio. So it's a box. You got all of this coming up to you. And it also has the air aesthetically of something from Wes Anderson. Those colors, the way it's set up, all of those things. But different from what you'd get from Wes, so like Grand Budapest Hotel, that kind of stuff, is it's not as sterile in execution. There's some odd humor to it. Of course, there's tragedy to it, but it has a heart as well. It's the kind of oddball movie. If you're a family who likes, you know, just some stuff that kind of is strange a little, it would be a holiday movie for you. That's kind of what it would be here. Um, And when I'm thinking about especially Benedict and um, Claire, what I was thinking of is two older actors than them, Helena Bonham Carter and Daniel Day-Lewis. It's almost like younger versions of them if we had them in this kind of movie. Now, I'll say that it has moments that work and moments that don't. When the transitions from, you know, moment to moment don't always work, but there's a lot to see. Um, And I think that since it'll be on Prime, that's something that you can wade through if you're interested and be okay. All My Puny Sorrows. Ooh, that's a lot happening there. Mm. This is coming to us soon. 
I'm sure. And this is directed by Michael McGowan, and he wrote it as well. The cast is Alison Pill. I always think of her from uh, the that news show yeah, the newsroom. with Jeff Daniels. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's when I was first introduced to her, and she's really taken off. Um, but she's not alone. She's got Sarah Gadden and Mayor Willingham, also Amy Beth uh, McNutley and Donal Donal uh, Long. And this is, quite frankly, I don't know much. What is there to know? Well, this is another deep, deep themed movie. Let's say it that way. Um, and what happens is this. So Sarah and, and Allison, they play sisters. And we're introduced to them, understanding that they have talent, both of them. So Allison's character, um, Yoli, she's a writer. Now, she's written a book before. It didn't sell that well. She's trying to write another one. And she has a teenage daughter. Uh, she's going through a divorce. Now, this, okay, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Her sister, played by Sarah, her character's name is Elf, for short. She is a concert pianist, a famous one. Very successful. Mm-hmm. Now, early on in the movie, we see their father, played by Donald, he essentially walks in front of a moving train. Whoa. Now, a lot of heavy stuff, but how is it presented? They have a sense of humor about all of this, this whole family. In addition to them is their mother, played by Mayor, um, and they also have an aunt. Um, Now, the mother and the aunt, they are sisters, and, you know, they're stiff, upper lip kind of women. You know, they will come out and say, you know, when your father died, this happened, blah, 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 just right out. So it's all about you just moving on. That's what you do in life. That's what we're here to do. Now, what happens here to center this movie is Elf tried to take her life. Why? She's married. She has a successful career. She has people who love and care for her. Why is this the case? So she's in the hospital being treated for this. And, you know, of course, Yoli comes to visit her, the mother, the aunt, and everyone. But Alf still wants to take her life. Can they convince her otherwise? What's going on with the therapists at the hospital where she is? Can they help or not? So over the course of the movie, we learn more about this family. We learn more about the relationship between these sisters. And again, there's humor and there's anger and there's pain. So the question is, can they go through all of those things in a way that flows. This is almost a theme now through all of these movies. Can they do these transitions well? What I'll say about All My Puny Sorrows is they have some really good moments, especially in the first half. I think some of the acting, especially between Allison and Sarah, I mean, I believe them as sisters, the way they talk, the way they interact, their beat changes going from humor to to anger or whatever else. They all worked. I mean, Mayor Winningham is an amazing actor. I mean, please. And everybody, like the acting is spot on. I will say that the writing has some really good moments. When you get to the middle, around the middle, there's this big scene between the two sisters that I thought went on too long. So I was like, ooh, we're getting a little indulgent. And then at the end, I just would have cleaned it up at the end. But I did like its sensibility. I did like how it was almost an astringent 
against what it could have been, which is just going into the sorrows. It's there, but when it's really singing is when they glide above it and dip into it when necessary. Encounter is this new Riz film. And I get to say that because I'm a huge fan of his, but <laughs> other people are in it. It's directed by and written by Michael Pierce, but Joe Barton helped him write it. Riz Ahmed, Octavia Spencer. Mm. Actually, you know, Oscar nominated Riz, Oscar winner Octavia Spencer yeah. and Rory Co uh, Cochran are in this new movie called Encounter. Now, you know, anytime you see the words encounter, you don't necessarily think of things of this world. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, now, this will be available on Prime December 10th. Before that, December 3rd, if you want to go to the movies, it'll be there in limited release. So anytime I see Riz's name, I go, OK, let's watch just to see what Riz is going to do. So in this movie, he plays a man who is in on a secret. There is an alien invasion, as the ref was intimating. But what kind? It's not of like humanoid kinds of beings. It's like bacteria. And this bacteria is implanted in your body from bugs. So like if a mosquito bites you, it'll implant this bacteria, which will then control you like invasion of the body snatchers or something. So Riz's character believes this. Now, his name is Malik and Malik has two young sons. Think they're like 10 and six, something like that. And he has his ex-wife who has moved on in a different relationship. Now, the wife has custody of the kids. Why? Well, Malik is a former Marine. Why is he former? And of course, he's experiencing PTSD. He did 10 tours, by the way, 10. Okay, now because of this alien bacteria thing, he goes, I've got to save my sons because he believes that probably about half of humanity has been infected. What about his ex-wife, has she? So he goes and gets his sons. How does he get them? In what circumstance? And he wants to take them to this special place where they know all about this and that his sons can be safe. That's the point. Now, Octavia Spencer plays his parole officer. Why is he on parole? What kind of parole officer is Octavia? That's the question. Well, she's the kind where Malik calls her. Calls her for help. Hmm. Now, when he calls her and says, hey, I'm with my sons, you know, I'm, we're going to this place. What's her reaction? Is she in on this? Or is this all a figment of his imagination? I mean, in the opening scene, we see an asteroid float down Earth. We see a, a little bite from a bug going into, you know, implanting something into someone's body. What are we watching? Now, what kind of father is he with his sons? And what do they encounter along their journey? Here's what I have to say about encounter. You have Riz in the lead. Riz is the kind of actor that he never has a false moment. Never. I just doesn't happen. So he keeps this movie going. 
Never once, and uh, Raph, I watched this one with my brother. Never once did we go, okay, you know, we're kind of done with this because he has that engine going all the time. This is what I'm talking about with urgency. You get Octavia playing someone who's kind of, you know, trying to work him down. It's just good stuff with a crazy premise. Now, is this going to be something that bowls you over? No, but I never went, okay, I didn't need that moment, mostly because of Riz, but the rest of the actors are to be credited. The two young actors here playing his sons, I mean, you're going to love the younger son. <laughs> he is hilarious. And his older brother, you know, you, you're an older brother, you have to take care of him. That whole kind of thing comes in. So I just enjoyed this. Um, if you like more cerebral kind of sci-fi where you're going, is this real or not? I would certainly check out Encounter. If you're a fan of Riz's, check it out as well. The Guilty, which is going to be on Netflix. Uh-oh, Antoine Fuqua. And he is back with a certain actor, but we'll hold on that. Yeah. He directed this, of course, and the screenplay is by Nick uh, Pizzolato. I don't know if that's if he says it in an Italian way, but it's just fun for me. Now, we know Nick from the um, True Detective series. He definitely has made his mark on um, engaging, interesting television. Well, this ain't television. Mm. This is a feature. And it's starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. But remember, I said Antoine Fuqua is reuniting with Ethan Hawke. Uh-oh. Oh. Anytime so those two uh, get together, there's something bound to be interesting. Um, we've got other people in here, but I just want to call out the fact that Paul Dano and Peter Sarsgaard, which seems like the most nightmare pairing, meaning they're great actors, just extremely creepy humans. I'm sure they're lovely people in real life, but these are the people that I would cross the street if I saw them coming toward me just because they're that good of an actor. Um, and Divine Joy uh, Randolph, who I'm such a fan of these days, along with other people. Now, again, this is going to be available on Netflix. Everybody can watch it. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, in the beginning of October, you know. So the question is this, Ref. Of those actors you listed, who do you see and who do you hear? I won't tell you. But what I tell you, what I will tell you is this for the guilty. So Jake Gyllenhaal plays a cop who is a 911 responder. Why? Now, he's not your typical 911 responder. If you call 911, you don't want him. Okay? He might say, uh, call back later. If you're giving him nonsense, he might yell at people, including his colleagues. What is wrong with this dude? Well, there is a court case coming up the next day after his shift. What court case? Who's involved? He does have a wife. Mm, what does that mean? What does she think of him? He does have a partner. They're not on the streets anymore. They want to get back on the streets. What happened? So he is on his shift at 911 in the office. And, you know, we see certain calls and how he handles them and, you know, the colleagues, all of that. Well, one particular call comes in. Very distressing. It's a young woman and it seems that she's been kidnapped or abducted by her husband. 
she has two young kids back at home unsupervised. A daughter who's six and a, an infant son. Okay. So the husband is driving his van with her in the back. And he thinks that she's talking to their daughter. He doesn't know that she called 911. So how does Jake's character handle that? Now, this is something that wakes him up and he wants to get to the bottom of it. Okay, he's calling LAPD. He's calling California Highway Patrol. And he's telling them what to do. Because at the beginning, you're like, who is this dude? How is he telling that? And some of them are like, don't tell me what to do. But some of them know who he is. They call him by his name. They say, hey, Joe. So across the course of this movie, how does this all develop? Who is this woman and this man? What's going on with these kids? What's going on with Joe? And where is this all going to end? Is there some sort of catharsis in the making? Now, as the ref said, Antoine Fuqua directed this. So what do you expect? Muscular direction, get to the point and ratchet up the suspense. And that's what you get here. Uh, I think that this was a smart script for Antoine to direct because his style is style. That's what it is. It's varying shots and giving you different looks at things. You need this if we're sitting and, you know, watching basically somebody in a 911 office. So all of that works. The issue is it's a little too long and it's not that long. It's an hour and a half. I would shave about 10 to 15 minutes off because once you get to the second half, you start going, okay, like uh, moving on. Let's close this out. But I'll say if you want or if you like Antoine Fuqua, who's worked with, uh, of course, Jake before, like the ref was talking about and so on, Ethan Hawke, I would say this is one of Antoine's better movies. It will entertain you. There's this whole thing because they're in California with the fire. How does the fire affect things? How does it affect Joe and so on? So you get all of that stuff. Um, I think that this is a good watch from home. Well, let's uh, end the TIFF experience for now with the movie Lakewood. Okay. Now, when I see this, I don't see much. And I'll tell you why. This is directed by Philip Noyce, and it is written by Chris Sparling. But the cast is Naomi Watts. Okay, is this a one-woman show? Is this, you know, what's going on here? It's 84 mm. minutes, and we're seeing one woman do something? Well, Philip Noyce is always doing and up to something. <laughs> yes. What is he or up to now? Mm. It's similar, Ref, to The Guilty in that Naomi is really the one on the screen and you hear from other people. Now, before I elaborate on that, we meet Naomi's character, Amy Carr. Uh, she has a teenage son. She also has a younger daughter. And they're supposed to be going off to school. The daughter has gone to elementary school. Her son is still in bed. Why? Now, she encourages him to get up and go to high school. So after that, she goes on a run. And while she's on this run, she learns that the schools in the area 
are on lockdown. Now, you know what this means. So the question is, which school has the shooter? That's the question. Well, it ends up being the high school. So, okay, but did her son go to school is the question. Where is he? Now, she's in the woods with a cell phone. So you can imagine everything that can happen. Everything you, you can think of that could happen if you're in the woods with a cell phone is an emergency. It happens. She's trying to reach her son. She can't. She's trying to reach out to anybody who might know anything about it. Uh, a mechanic. <laughs> okay. I mean, anybody who's near, can you find, is my son's truck there? Look for me, please. Calling 911. My son's name is this. It, have you found him? Now, there is a 911 operator who helps her, who's like, hey, when you call back, ask for me directly. It's now, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> no, no, oh, please. Oh, it's not. No, no, no it's, it's not Jake. And this leads to some detectives being involved. Why? Why are they questioning her about her son? What is going on? Now, she needs to get to the school. Of course, they say don't go come to the school, but excuse me. But she's out on the run. Can you just get a lift to come get you? You might, but how long is it going to take? And you're running. What could happen if you're running in the woods and it's an emergency? Right? These are the things that you think about. So over the course of the movie, the question is, where is the son? Is the son involved in this in some way? How? How is Amy going to handle that? And all of these other people that are coming into her life, can they help her to get to her son and get down to the bottom of what happened before more of the tragedy unfolds? It's already going on. Now, you said Philip Noyce is up to something. Philip Noyce wants to entertain us, and I respect that. One of the things this year that I'm focused on is do you entertain me? Because everybody wants to give me an important message without the entertainment. I'm not interested. You're not that smart to just do important messages. So in this case, we do have, I mean, a school shooting come on. But it is watching Naomi Watts run through the woods for the most part, trying to figure out what's happening to her son using the phone. That's what it is. It's all on Naomi. And Naomi knows how to act. So we can watch that. Uh, my thing is, this is another one where it needs a bit of an edit. I mean, this is a common thing. What I found myself doing, Ref, is this. I would just forward it a bit when I didn't need to watch something and watch the parts of the movie that were interesting. I mean, look, Philip's giving you the suspense. It's, you know, high octane stuff for the most part once it gets into it. Uh, but some of it you just don't need. So depending on how this is released, I would just be careful with that. In contrast to the guilty, um, what I would say is, the whole notion of having one person on the screen for the most part, uh, it's even more on Naomi's shoulders than Jake's. Uh, one person on the screen like that over and over and over again. Okay, cool concept. We've seen it before. But my question, my the thing I wasn't quite sure of was, does this work ratcheting up suspense for entertainment value? Does it work with a school shooting at the same time. I don't know if all of those different beats work with the phone and the running. I just didn't know if it quite clicked, but it's not boring. Well, there you have it. Tiff is delivering. They're delivering some interesting things and they're not done, which means 
we are not done. So hang tight. We'll give you more from Tiff here at Why Watch That. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.